friends. So I am reading to you uh, through a podcast and we're going to find out how you like having your read aloud this way. Uh, if you don't like it, that's okay. If you do like it, maybe it's something we'll try next year. Or maybe there's something else when you have this experience that you think, huh, I bet when Miss Kuttner's telling us to do something or telling a story or something else that this would be a good format to have it in instead of having it on the screen. So you let me know. Uh, and I'm going to give you a book recommendation. And this book recommendation actually comes from the character of Jane from the Penderwicks. So in the last chapter, you might remember that she called on some creatures. She called on Aslan, and we know who that is. Uh, but she also called on a character named Samid, and I didn't know who that was. So I looked it up, and there's a trilogy, which means a series of three books, called the Samid Trilogy, and it's by uh, Edith Nesbitt. Edith Nesbitt was to children in the early 20th century what J.K. Rowling is to today's young generation. Magic, mythical creatures, time travel, charms, words of power, Nesbitt's stories have it all. So I read that, and that made me realize that those of you that like Harry Potter might be interested in checking this out. And now I'm going to read to you the description of the first book in the trilogy. And that is Five Children and It. The story begins when a group of five children... Robert, Anthea, Cyril, Jane, and their baby brother, the Lamb, move from London to the countryside of Kent. While playing in a gravel pit, they discover a rather grumpy, ugly, and occasionally malevolent, malevolent sorry, sand fairy known as the Sawmead, who is compelled to grant one wish of theirs per day. The effects of each wish last until sundown. All the wishes granted to the children go hilariously wrong. When they wish to be beautiful, Nobody recognizes them, and they are shut out of the house. When they wish to be rich, they get a stack of gold coins, but nobody will take them. When they wish for wings, they find themselves stuck on a tall tower at sunset. When they wish that their baby brother was older, he turns into the grown-up and bosses them around. When Robert wishes he was bigger than the baker's boy, who has beaten him in a scrap, he becomes 11 feet tall. There are many more adventures, but you will need to read and find out for yourselves. So that series, again, is the Samid Trilogy. The first book is called Five Children and It, and it is by Edith Nesbitt. But today we're going to read Chapter 6, The Save Daddy Plan. I'm sure I brought a pair of slippers with me, said Aunt Claire. It was Sunday afternoon, and Rosalind was helping her pack to go home. Are they red? asked Aunt Rosalind from the door. She pulled a pair of fluffy red slippers from under the bed. They were damp in patches and one had a ragged hole where the toe used to be. Hound, I hope they weren't your favorites. Only my second favorite, said Aunt Claire, dropping them into the wastebasket. I figured Hound was annoyed with me about the blind date, but I didn't think he was annoyed enough to eat my slippers. Rosalind knew her aunt was trying to make her laugh, but she wasn't ready to laugh about the blind date, or the dating scheme, or anything about her father and dates. Too obviously not speaking, she folded a bathrobe and placed it neatly into the suitcase on the bed. And, sweet niece, you're annoyed with me about the blind date, too. Here, chew on these. Aunt Claire pulled a pair of socks out of the bureau and handed them to Rosalind. I'm not annoyed with you. Liar. Well, just a little, I suppose. That's better, said Aunt Claire. Honey... I know that your dad's dating is odd and maybe a little scary for you. Your mother was worried that it would be, but she was also worried about him being lonely. He's never said he was lonely. 
Rosalind tossed the socks into the suitcase and slammed it shut. I know he hasn't, but still, it could be nice for him to meet new people. Woman, I mean. Every once in a while. You can understand that, can't you? No. Besides, so far meeting new women had been anything but nice. Rosalind had looked up Cruciatus in her Latin dictionary, and it meant torture. Her poor father being tortured over dinner in a movie. Still, she was glad he hated dating, or he'd hated his date, for he definitely would not be marrying Ms. Muntz. But she couldn't tell Aunt Claire any of that. I'll take your suitcase out to the car, is what she said, giving Aunt Claire a hug to soften her abruptness. After she'd put the suitcase into the car, Rosalind sat down in the grass and went back to what she'd been doing for the last day and a half, trying to figure out how to stop this terrible dating. So far, she'd come up with nothing but a name, the Save Daddy Plan. She knew, in her deepest heart, that a more honest title would be the Save Rosalind and Her Sisters Plan, but she was not ready to admit that even to herself. And besides, she wasn't the one using words like Cruciatus. A football flew from out of nowhere and bounced in front of her. Tommy! yelped Rosalind, for there was only one person in the neighborhood annoying enough to throw a football at her. And it was him, loping across the street after his ball and his helmet and shoulder pads. I thought you might want to do some drills. No. She grabbed the ball and tossed it neatly back to him. He caught the ball and flopped down beside her. Maybe later, then. No. She went back to the Save Daddy plan. Having Tommy there didn't distract her. He was as much a part of Gardan Street as the maple trees in the cul-de-sac. Jane told me about Mr. Penn's blind date, said Tommy, after tossing the football in the air several times. How did it go? It was fine, I guess. Fine that he liked her? No, fine that he didn't, thank goodness. Tommy, I can't help thinking about Anna's father and about that boy we met this summer. Tommy interrupted. Cagney. What? Rosalind hadn't meant Cagney. And now she realized she'd never gotten around to telling Aunt Claire about him. And love. And heartache. All of that seems so long ago now. Cagney the gardener, who is older than you and so cute. Blah, blah, blah. What do you mean, blah, blah, blah? I've barely mentioned him to you. Besides, I meant Geoffrey, who's Sky's age. Sorry. Of course she did. Rosalind shook her head. Sometimes Tommy didn't make any sense at all. Well, anyway, Jeffrey's mother. But you have to admit, you told me plenty about Cagney. I'll prove it. He's a Red Sox fan. He played basketball in high school. He wants to be a high school history teacher. He's obsessed with the Civil War. He gave you a rose bush as a goodbye gift and you planted it beneath your bedroom window. He dated some girl named Kath. Rosalind cut Tommy off with an impatient wave of her hand. All right, fine. I won't ever bring up Cagney when you're around. I wasn't talking about him anyway. I was talking about Jeffrey's mother dating this Dexter creep. Of course, I don't care that you liked Cagney. You know what, Tommy? I don't know why I bother to talk to you at all. I don't either, he stood up. I'm going to go run some drills by myself. Fine. And by the way, you look goofy wearing that helmet all the time. Fine, and, and, and he spluttered to a stop and then stomped away. Spluttering and stomping were not usual for Tommy, and for a while Rosalind wondered what had set him off. But her father's dating was the greater problem, and by the time the family was gathering to say goodbye to Aunt Claire, 
She'd forgotten all about Tommy and his nonsense. Blah, 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 indeed. No one ever liked seeing Aunt Claire go away. But the sisters were relieved that this particular weekend was almost over. The first awful blind date weekend. It would be called for the rest of their lives. Thank you for all our gifts, said Rosalind, who was the first in line for hugging. But don't bring any next time, added Skye, second in line. Aunt Claire laughed. She knew what Skye meant. So did Jane. When she hugged Aunt Claire, she whispered, I don't mind getting books, even when there isn't strange and disturbing news. Fatty proudly stood tall in the red wagon for her hug. Hound tried to do the same, but managed instead to knock both Batty and the wagon over. After picking Batty up and inspecting her for damage, none, Mr. Penderwick helped Aunt Claire into the car. When can we expect you again? I'll check with you in a few weeks. Maybe you'll have managed to go on another date by then. He closed the car door with a bit of a bang. I don't know where you think I'm going to find all these dates. You can at least try. And if you can't, I'll find you some more. Aunt Claire waved cheerfully and then drove off. Maybe she'll develop selective amnesia before she come back, said Mr. Penderwick. And I will be spared the rest of the dates. Maybe, said Skye doubtfully. We would still remember Daddy, said Jane. And you did promise. Besides, our serene and happy family life has already been irretrievably altered by your first date. A few more won't make much of a difference. Terrific. He looked pleadingly at Rosalind but she had no comfort for him. Only the Save Daddy plan, and she couldn't have told him about that even if she actually knew how it was going to work. Well, I better go grade some papers, unless anyone needs to have a talk first. Like, about having your lives being irretrievably altered, for example. No, thank you, said Rosalind, speaking for all of them. He wandered alone back into the house, his shoulders drooping. Rosalind was more determined than ever to save them, all of them, from this burden of dating. Time for a mops meeting, she said. A mops, a meeting of Penderwick sisters, could be held anywhere, but unless the weather was too cold or wet, the girls preferred a certain fallen oak tree in the Quigley Woods. It had crashed to the ground years earlier in a great storm, its huge gnarled roots torn out of the ground. The roots had in the past given the Penderwicks protection from invading armies, imaginary or real. Real meaning mostly Tommy and his brother Nick. But as Rosalind, Skye, and Jane were too grown up for war games, and Batty wasn't allowed in Quigley Woods alone, the oak had become less of a fort and more of the perfect private meeting place. When the sisters arrived, Rosalind chose her route first. Her right is the collar of mops, and the other three sat on lower roots on either side, either side of her. Hound settled down beside Batty, facing back along the path, just in case anyone threatening should come by. When everyone was in place, Rosalind officially opened up the meeting. Mops, come to order. Second the motion, said Skye. Third it, said Jane. Fourth it, said Batty. And fifth it for Hound. For the millionth time, scolded Skye, Hound does not have to fifth it. He wants to. Don't you, Hound? Woof. Order. You too, hound, said Rosalind, before he could whoop again. Then she made her right hand into a fist and held it out toward her sisters. All swear to keep secret what is said here, even 
actually this time especially from daddy unless you think someone might do something truly bad the others piled fists on top of hers and together they all chanted this i swear by the penderick family honor and then broke their fists apart we know why we're here said rosalind no we don't said the others because of daddy and the dating honestly aren't any of you paying attention to what's happening to our family i am Fatty dug a ginger cookie out of her pocket, ate half, and then gave the rest a pound. Thank you, Batty. So, I've been trying to come up with a way to stop this dating nonsense. And don't anyone say it was Mommy's idea. I know it was, and I don't care. Rosalind glared defiantly at the others, daring them to protest. Skye wasn't cowed. None of us like this dating idea, but Daddy agreed to it, and he's honor-bound to keep going. Besides, men have needs, added Jane. I read that in a magazine. What needs? asked Batty. What magazine? asked Skye. Order! Rosalind thumped on her root. Skye's right about Daddy agreeing to the dates, but we all know that he hates it as much as I, as we do. I looked up that word he used last night, cruciatus. It means torture. Ms. Munts tortured Daddy? Jane was horrified. For her, torture meant being stretched on racks and beaten with chains. Of course not. He just meant he was miserable, said Rosalind. We need some way to rescue him without compromising his honor. I'd hoped to have a plan before we got here. I've tried and tried, but I haven't come up with anything except a name. The Save Daddy plan. Good name, said Skye. All in favor of it, say aye. Aye. Aye, aye, Captain, said Jane, realizing that her favorite heroine had not yet had a nautical adventure. <gasps> Sabrina Stark could rescue a whale next! Jane, please. Rosalind clutched her head. Suddenly a headache was coming on. Am I the only one who understands how serious this is? Sorry, Rosalind. I do understand, said Jane. Batty passed her a cookie as a mark of camaraderie. So we have a name for a plan, but no plan, said Skye. How about murder? As quickly as Aunt Claire comes up with blind dates, we kill them off. Batty looked fascinated. How would we do it? Please, please stick to the point, everyone. We have to help Daddy, and we have to make sure we don't end up with a... Rosalind, still unable to say the word, clutched her head harder. Stepmother, finished Skye. And I am sticking to the point. But if you don't like murder, how about this? We actually can't stop the dating altogether. Promises, honor, etc., etc. So why don't we find three more dates for Daddy that he'll hate as much as Ms. Munt's? He won't date any of them more than once, and so the whole experience will be so horrible that he'll never date again, and we'll never end up with a stepmother. Brilliant, yes? Rosalind let go of her head and stared at her younger sister. It might be brilliant. Really? Skye wasn't used to people calling her plans brilliant. Ridiculous, crazy, dangerous even. These were words she heard more often than brilliant. Wait a minute, said Jane, still puzzling it out. We're going to choose awful dates for Daddy? Isn't that mean and dishonorable? Wouldn't Daddy hate it if he knew? He won't know unless we tell him. Rosalind's head all at once felt better. And remember that it's for his own good. I guess so. For though it is a mean and dishonorable plan, still, it is ultimately kinder. 
I don't know, said Skye, who didn't want to go down in family history as the one who came up with a mean and dishonorable plan. You never use my ideas. Why this one? Because there are no better ideas, said Rosalind. Are there? Skye frantically ran through several more possibilities, all of them wilder even than murder. No, she admitted finally. As I thought. Let's take a vote. Batty, what say you? They all looked at Batty, who had finished the ginger cookies, and now was digging crumbs out of her pocket and feeding them to Hound. I say, Daddy should date the lady next door, and then I could play with her baby. Iantha? Rosalind was incredulous. Honey, we don't want Daddy going out with anyone from Graham Gardam Street. Besides, that's not what we're talking about. On top of that, we don't know that Iantha's not married, said Jane. Her husband could be, well, lost in the Bermuda Triangle. And she sits, weeping at an upstairs window every night, peering out into the darkness, hoping and praying he'll someday come back to her. <gasps> or he could be in prison, falsely accused, Rosalind interrupted her. Iantha's husband died, remember? Daddy told us. But we're supposed to be voting on Sky's Save Daddy plan, which would rule out Iantha anyways because she's not awful. Now, Batty, how do you vote? Yes or no? This won't be an official vote, said Sky, still hoping for an escape, since Batty clearly doesn't understand what we're voting about. I do, too, understand. Rosalind wants to find creepy ladies for Daddy so we don't have to worry about stepmothers. Batty popped the last of the crumbs into her own mouth. I vote yes. And I vote yes, said Rosalind. That's two for Sky's plan. And I make three votes, said Jane. Sorry, Skye. Skye groaned loudly, but Rosalind thumped for order until she stopped. So, speak I, Rosalind, she said. It's a majority. The Save Daddy plan is official and in place. Now they had to find an awful date, which turned out to be not so easy. Everyone they could think of was too young or too old or already married or not awful enough. And the few who seemed just right could cause problems afterwards. For example, the librarian at Cameron Library, who never let them check out more than five books at a time. What if she got mad at them after a blind date and lowered their limit to four, or even three? That would be a disaster. Or Jane's teacher, Miss Boonda, who Jane figured would make the most awful date ever. For if Jane was getting bad marks on her essays before a bad date with her father, what would it be like afterwards? Defeated. They decided they needed outside help. But who could be trusted on such a private and sensitive matter? After much racking of brains, Rosalind suggested Anna. Great. Skye wasn't any closer to liking the Save Daddy plan. Maybe she can lend us her father's former wives. At least we'd know how awful they are, retorted Rosalind, whose headache was coming back. Mops dismissed. And that is the end of the chapter today. Goodbye.